You are listening to the Photobomb podcast with the world's greatest photographers, Boo Ray and Gary. Welcome to the Photobomb podcast. My name is Boo Ray Perry, and joining me as always is Gary Hughes. I have the plague. Everyone seems to have the plague. I know I should be reacting more, oh my gosh, you have the plague, but you're the fifth person to tell me you have the plague. Well, thanks for your sympathy. It means a lot to me. It's, uh, it's real nice. Real nice. So uh, I'm, I'm a little below uh, my normal 110%, so I'll probably be operating at about 95 but our listeners are, are desperate. They're desperate for, to hear from us, to hear our voices. So, so I got out of bed, I put on my, my big boy sweatpants, and I drove over to the studio at a great personal risk to myself in the pouring rain to record the podcast with you today. All right. Well, that's uh, I, I am I am impressed by your dedication to duty and audience and the peoples. Well, I don't want to use the word hero, but uh, it's all for the peoples. I don't want to use it either. No. <laughs> let's let's just not use the word hero. Uh, but As maybe. Maybe like leader or uh, visionary. Something I don't know. We'll think of it later. We'll All right, later. put it together. Well, we'll we'll they'll think of something that'll that'll fit more appropriately than hero. I had a thing happen yesterday. I went to the fair. Went to the strawberry festival with my daughter and her friend, and uh, did a little street photography there at the festival. Which is, is that in I, uh, Plant City? In Plant City, Florida. Yes. And when I was a kid, we used to say, "When you're going to get mad at somebody, you just say, i 'I'm going to go Plant City on your ass.'" Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Just, was this in reference to the town, or just oh, it, or like, oh, yeah. I'm going to plant you in the ground? No, 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 that's the town. No, it, well, anyway, are there a lot of fights in Plant City? I apparently I heard the strawberry festival though was delightful. Okay, it was good. I enjoyed it. I had me some strawberries and uh, some uh, what do you call uh, elephant ear waffle cake, whatever you call that there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, the uh, funnel cake. Funnel cake, thank you. Oh uh, yeah, there's nothing finer than a funnel cake. Yeah, I'm paying the price today. Don't worry. And uh, and I don't so, want to know what that means. But here, you don't want to know. Uh, so, uh, but here's the thing that happens. So go there, and you, for, you don't know where you're supposed to park because there's a million people calling you to park in all these places, right? So I pull in. The guy waves me into park at the Taco Bell parking lot, and charges me ten dollars to park at the Taco Bell parking lot. Mm. So then we go into park, park Taco Bell because my daughter has to use the bathroom, and uh, and when I say she has to use the bathroom, here's a little you know she became a woman this week. So, oh no! Yeah. How would you say that on the podcast? Yeah, so she, oh. so she, she had to use the bathroom. So you know, we're, no. you know, it's baby steps that's here. That's not okay. You just What's wrong with that? I mean, it's podcast. a natural thing. Every, you know, it's not. I, see, that's the problem right there. Is no, that you not. say it's not okay? It's, it's a not perfectly the natural. It's, thing. it's it's a young a young woman. Uh, stuff's happening with her body, and probably doesn't want her dad talking about it on. She's his totally cool with it because she has been raised in an, in a household where we have we have zero shame in anything having to do with our bodies. We don't we Great. don't ever shame anything. And so Good. you guys, you know, are she so told me right away she was dad, dad. I got my period. She was, you know, we have that sort of relationship, which I I think is fantastic. Yeah, you're such a good dad. I don't want to uh, use the word hero. But I'm not really a good dad, but we do have a good relationship. So anyway, uh, we uh, so she's got to go in there, right? So there's a sign on the bathroom door that says "For Taco Bell customers only." So she's like, "Dad, you know, I'm like, just go use a bathroom, and I'll get us some water or something. I'll buy us something, you know, to justify it." So I'm sitting there, and I'm about to, you know, go up and buy a soda or whatever to justify that she can use the friggin' bathroom. 
And you already did pay $10 to park there. And it occurs to me that I have just spent more money at Taco Bell than I've ever spent at a Taco Bell in my life. Yeah, I just more spent than $10. You will ever in one sitting, I'm pretty yeah. sure Taco Bell is getting the $10 I paid to park in your parking lot. For so $10, we, you could get 300 tacos. Yes. Yeah. So, I'm th- so I, I, is the sign for people who aren't at Taco Bell and aren't parking at Taco Bell, but are maybe parking next door and walking to Taco Bell to use the bathroom. I, I guess because I was, I was sitting, I was just waiting for someone to challenge me. Just waiting. I'm just fired up. Someone, please, please say something to me about my daughter using the bathroom the day after she gets her period. When I just pay 10 bucks to park in your parking lot. I am just, I have got the righteous fury of a father and a man who is $10 short in his wallet. And I am ready to go off on any manager who says a word to me. Nobody said a word. Yeah, I don't imagine they would. But first of all, uh, prison rules uh, apply here. <laughs> prison uh, rule? Menstruation trump any of overlying bathroom rules. So, yes. like, if you get, you know, if you go into a place, I don't care if you walk into, uh, you know, the the most, if you walk into Tiffany's and they're like, I'm sorry, sir. But no, you're like, my daughter is having yeah. a period. You have to let her use the bathroom. They'll be like, right this way, right this way. Yes, well, yeah. yes, yes. Woe be unto you if you come between a father and his daughter when he's, when the father is having to deal with the first week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you don't want to come in because he's going to go right through you. Prison rules, man. You get in <laughs> yeah. my way, I will cut you. That's, That's prison absolutely rules. True. That's absolutely true. It's all I would have rules. killed anyone who tried to make it any more difficult for me or my daughter. And the uh, and the police officer arresting you for the murder would have been like, look, I get this. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I just have to take you in. Yeah, no jury. No jury in the world would have convicted me. <laughs> no. That's true. No jury. You would have been. You would have yeah. been uh, totally, totally redeemed. Yeah. yeah, you would have been set free. Uh, give me a couple of dads on that jury, especially if they're dads. Uh, give me a dad whose wife has died before his children reach uh, that that point, and he'll acquit me every time, just yeah. out of you know sympathy for me having to deal with it. We've got a bit of a deadlock, Your Honor. Uh, we're not <laughs> able to come to an agreement as to whether this murder was justified. Let's go over the facts of the case. So we're talking about a dad here with a 13-year-old girl having her first cycle, trying to use a public restroom, and an employee got in his way. Did you just say an employee got in his way? <laughs> no, case dismissed. 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 I don't even need to know. What? Well, I don't even know they need to know the, the facts of this case. <laughs> Sir, but he ate his heart right out of his chest. The case dismissed. Case dismissed. He killed his kids while he was standing. Case dismissed. He's lucky his whole family wasn't killed by that man. He's lucky he didn't burn the restaurant to the ground. Case dismissed. Case dismissed. Yeah, that's about right. That's about right. Yeah. Let me tell you something, though. The uh, Strawberry Festival in Plant City, that's a picture of a humanity that you just won't get anywhere else. By a lot of blumpkins? Just, like, just, just a picture of just lovely. A lot of people walking around with that, uh, with that uh, jug of... Fluid that looks like they took a like a waste basket from your office and put a handle on it. You know that thing that you get at like the Circle K. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like like it's a hundred and twenty ounce thing. You know, walking a hydrator. Around with that. Yeah, there we go. Pulling wagons with their kids in them, and and you know it was a lot uh, of it people was, breathing through their mouths. I reckon it was probably that uh, eating corn dogs and drinking out of buckets. Yes. Hey. Oh, and I, but I talked to a few folks because you know me. I like to know how things work. So the next time you're feeling bad about your work day. The girl who was serving us up our uh, our waffle, what are they called? Funnel cakes? Funnel cakes, thank you. Uh, the person, the girl who was uh, serving up the funnel cakes there, her shift starts at 9 a.m. and ends at 11 p.m. And so on Friday. serving funnel cakes to Blumpkins. Yeah, and on Friday, it's uh, 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. no good. And then she's back the next morning at 9 a.m. How does she not go, you know what, I think I'm going to go to college. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think, uh, I think I want to be a nurse. Yeah, live in a trailer, is... work 15-hour days at a fair. You yep, know, get hit no. on by guys with three fingers. It's weird, man. Carnies, dude. Carnies. But then, but then I saw there was one. We went to get soda from you know because there's there's so many more places to get food than when I was a kid going to the fair. Like there's just a million food booths, and um, all serving pretty much the same stuff. And one girl was serving me. This girl, not I don't I don't know if this sounds judgmental, but she served. There's a guy in there making up the stuff using a using a using a power drill to mix up the stuff in a bucket, and then uh, the woman is serving at the window. And I don't know, did they own this? Was this their thing? I don't know. But she was about five six, and had the body of a competitive aerobics instructor. Okay. And just, I'm like, you're a carny? That, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, she just, she was, she looked like that. Any minute she was going to go out and walk down a runway somewhere. And mm. I mean, completely physically fit, you know, and and all her teeth. You're telling me? I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, this this girl was wow, like head turning, not just physical, not just good looking, but physically fit. Like this is a girl who works out spending two hours. Spending her a day. day mixing. And I'm like, where are you working out two hours a day? A power drill. I'm sorry. She's spending her day mixing funnel cake batter with a power drill. Yeah, I'm just like I was just like she did not fit the model of the typical person working at the fair. Well, you know, in my family, we don't really stick to those stereotypes. We realize that beautiful people can also be failures. Yes. <laughs> I think that you're right. No, but then possible. I started conducting a story, right? I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So maybe the two of them have bought this thing and they've got a little trailer and they're traveling the country for two years and they have a whole plan worked out where at the end of two years they're going to have they're saved $250,000 and they're going to be able to realize their dream of hiking the Andes or, or teaching aerobics to monks. I don't know what her goal is, but there's just no way that you're a carny for 10 years. When maybe, you... maybe they're just not very bright and don't want to do anything else. Okay. I mean, I don't know. They, they might make good money. $350 a day, by the way, how much money you make to run the tilt-a-wheel. Really, that's uh, that's that's not bad. That's better than working in, at McDonald's or Taco uh, Bell. It's a fifteen-hour shift, and do you get paid that on the days when you're traveling? Probably not. No, I yeah. reckon not. If you got paid that every day, it's only like seventy-five k a year, and I don't think you're getting paid that every day. It's not like you need to go to college, though. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I did find uh, that uh, most people had all their fingers, which I find reassuring. Yeah, you know, that's how you know it's a good a good fare. Yeah. Like, you know, you really, you know, because they got the, although it's hard to trust a carny who hasn't really made a mistake. Like, if he's got all his fingers, <laughs> it might just mean he hasn't lost one yet. It means right. you, might have the, you might have the B team, the new guys. They might be training somebody new. Right. Because I like a guy with a missing finger. That guy knows something that somebody else doesn't. You know, he's got that's a little right. bit more life experience. <laughs> he's got life lessons, buddy. Now, he knows where definitely where not to put his hands. He's got stories to tell. Yeah, there's there's no question, and it's easier for him to smoke a cigar with that middle finger missing because it's you know he just holds it between the index finger and the ring finger, and because it's yeah. all right, <laughs> all right, I'll go with that, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I want I like my carney's missing rest. finger too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice little nice little cigar rest. All right, I like a carney missing a finger too. To be honest with you, that guy, uh, guys, that guy knows his business. Let's talk- he, do- he does now. He does now. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's talk about uh, Las Vegas because we were both just in Las Vegas for two different yeah, reasons. I was there like, for a wedding, and you were there for WPPI. 
Like ships in the night. Yeah, and by the way, congratulations, Linda Long, on your nuptials for yes. your, your Vegas. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> and I ran into her in the trade show, uh, uh, blushing bride. Uh, actually, Linda would, you know, she's Linda. She's great. But anyway, I did get to see her. That was fantastic. So congratulations. And to you, Austin, uh, you you done well, buddy. You yeah, did well. you did. Yeah, yeah, you <clears throat> definitely did well. <laughs> Austin traded up. He, like he like, like me and like you, Austin yeah. has traded up. Like all real men of genius. Yes. Yeah. Real man of genius. Let me tell you something. Here's what's funny. Of all the weddings I've shot, though, how funny that the one that the went, that went the most off the rails was the one I was a guest at. This, okay, so tell, tell, uh, do tell. We were an hour and a, ha- hour and a half late starting almost. There was a major dress malfunction, is my understanding, to the point where we were sewing to fix it. Like it was, mm. you know, we rushed. They were. I, I didn't get the whole story. Because, I mean, you know, obviously when you have a malfunction like that happening, you don't want everyone descending on the bride and asking the same questions. What happened? You know, because, you know, just move on. Uh, So we were very late getting started, so everything got changed. We were supposed to go to the high roller, which is the giant Ferris wheel. And they were going to get married on the Ferris wheel. And then we were going to go to the Neon Museum for a portrait session uh, with uh, Ted Linzak doing the uh, photography. Great photographer. And... Everything went off the rails, so they had a booked solid time at the Neon Museum, so they decided we're going to the Neon Museum first for that time before we lose it and sunset, and then we'll come back to the High Roller so and get married after that. So then we come back to the High Roller, though, there's no um, officiant. The officiant uh, was, had, had to go, and so she didn't have an officiant. So and then- wait, 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 wait. I, I think I can tell you what happens next. There's only one man... <laughs> With the power to step in and officiate a wedding at the last second, completely unprepared. Were you that man? I was that man, yes. You were that man. Of course you were that man. So I stepped in. uh, So uh, they said, hey, will you – it won't be official, you know, but we've – you know, they had their vows and they wanted to to have their thing. And, uh, and, you know, the the official is when the guy signs the certificate. That's when you're officially married. So, you know, it's never really – you're never really officially married. The ceremony doesn't make it Yeah, the ceremony is – so the ceremony doesn't, you know – it doesn't have to be by uh, a notary. Uh, and uh, which, by the way, I actually, uh, I think I still am a notary. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I did it, but it was great because I'm texting Bobby because Bobby's not going up in that fair as well. And I'm texting Bobby, Bobby, I need vows. So Bobby's sending me vows, uh, which you would think I would just had to memorize by now since I've heard those same vows a million times. But uh, so she sent me the vows because uh, she runs a beach wedding company. Because we have a beach wedding company. And so we did the little thing, and uh, it was very sweet and very nice, and uh, a little misty-eyed there, you know, and uh, it was wonderful. It was really nice. And we went back, they had a little suite at the MGM Grand that overlooked a beautiful view with the outside deck, and uh, went back there and had some uh, donuts that dipped in chocolate and rolled around and and whatever you wanted to roll them around in that were great, and uh, it was just nice. It was a really nice, small wedding. Uh, great, uh, great weekend. Did lots of stuff. Went to see some shows and did different things. And uh, but uh, yeah, it was just funny that I got called in to officiate. But did you make it to Ellis Island for the chicken fried chicken? I did make it to Ellis Island for the yeah. chicken fried chicken, my friend. And uh, it was a giant piece of chicken fried chicken, and it was yeah. good. Yeah, it was good. I, I I also was there just a couple of days after you and got the got the chicken fried chicken as well. That is, by the way, if you're ever in Vegas, folks. There's a little divey casino called the Ellis Island Casino, and inside it there was a restaurant called the Village Pub, which has the best chicken. Fr- and by the way, it's the cheapest dinner menu in oh, Las yeah. Vegas. Oh yeah, like it's. I think it was nine ninety nine for yes. a chicken fried chicken dinner with fresh 
like beautiful fresh green beans and mashed potatoes with sawmill gravy and all kinds of stuff, and it was like nine ninety nine. The chicken, the chicken is so big though. I'm like, where did I, I want to see the real the chicken? This came from because this is it's the not, largest piece a, of chicken I've ever seen in my life. It's not a chicken. It's not, it's I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's huge. It's and Taco just Bell. a huge plate of food. And Bobby and I went there and ate. It was twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome, and it's a microbrewery, and we've talked about this. If you go back, a and they bought years, the Super Eight, the job they, they, they bought Vegas. the Super Eight Hotel, and now they own the hotel, and they built a deck on. I mean, there, the word has gotten out. They've only been there since 1969. Word is finally getting out about the uh, little Ellis Island Casino. Ah, uh, yeah, I love that place. It is, I think, it's my favorite spot in Vegas, to be honest with you. But uh, so I, I was in Vegas, uh, and I we never got to hook up because you were doing wedding stuff, and I was judging the competition, and that's the same time we were there. And so uh, I was uh, really had a great time. Got to see some great friends as usual. The quality of the work in their print in their twenty by sixteen competition was outrageously good. And uh, and and out of it comes a little controversy. Yes, let us talk about the controversy because uh, I just had this brought to my attention yesterday when I saw the image, and I've had questions about it. And and you, of course, were there judging, and I believe right. know the artist. I do. So uh, we've posted the picture to the Facebook page. Go to facebook.com slash photobombpodcast and you'll see the picture. And this picture won what? First place in what? It won first place in the bride and groom together wedding day category. Now what's unique about WPPI is that they have a lot of subcategories within weddings. And the main division is going to be between those which allow digital artwork and compositing and those that don't. And so you're going to have the categories are typically called the contemporary. So you might have bride and groom contemporary, which will be you're allowed to composite, use multiple images, digital artwork, whatever. Then there's the sort of the non-contemporary, the classic categories like bride and groom together, wedding day. And uh, those have to be a single image capture. Now, you're allowed to do the odd head swap and you're allowed to take things out, but you're not allowed to really add anything. So you can't drop in a sky. You can't. Add something that wasn't originally in the image. But if there's like a telephone pole, you might be able to take out the telephone pole, okay. uh, but you won't be able to add any elements in that didn't belong in the image. In this the is my place. category, though. This is the category I would live in. At right, right. So this is, and they have this, uh, and they have photojournalism categories that have the same sort of restrictions. And anyway, so this is, uh, this image is by, we're talking about an image by Ryan Shembry, who is a multi, multi, multi award winning photographer on many many levels and so wppi of course posts all the winners in their in their on their facebook page congratulations to so and so and so and so and as of my last count this image has 378 comments and uh, not all of them are kind and i think because it's an abstract image it's essentially it's a flipped up reflection of a bride and groom that were photographed walking across a, a puddle or a large reflective pool and what he did was he flipped it upside down and then only use the reflection part as the image. And so you can go to our Facebook page and you can see that. But he's getting some pretty harsh criticism. Like, is this is this what it's come to? And this is what we award now? And, oh, the industry's falling apart. And rabble, rabble. And, you know, um, I, you know, first of all, I just, you know, you can't have anything win where somebody's not going to be hating on it uh, to begin with. But if you, if you know the history of Ryan's work at all, he's constantly... Uh, putting things in that push sort of the boundaries of it, but he can he continues to win and do very well at competition and have a successful business, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he's been competing, I think, at WPPI since probably he was like 15 or 16 years old. A long, long time, and his father was big in the association, and he's just, you know, he's just got, the guy knows what he's doing. 
basically. So he's one of those people that knows the rules so very well and has so many awards to his name. It behooves him to sort of experiment and try to be creative and push a little bit because he can he can put anything in that awards category fairly easily with his level of accomplishment and skill. So it's not really that hard for him. It's you know, he really wants to try stuff that's different. And this one that happened to paid off. And honestly, it it is hard to tell from the digital version of the image because WPPI is a printed competition. And there are many, many of these images that come up as the digital version when I see them posted on social media or I'm like, man, that doesn't look anywhere near as good as when you see the printed version and get right up on it. So this is a brilliant print. It was an abstract concept and in this case the judges went for it, and that's the nature of competition. I think it's great. It's got some really cool qualities to it. It's not the type of thing I would have put in, but uh, you know, I don't think that there's any anything to be gained from bashing it. This is an, an art competition, and so you know, uh, I think it's just kind of dumb to waste energy on uh, a, a subjective process where one, if you didn't compete, you weren't in the room, you don't know anything about it, then you shouldn't really waste your time chiming in. What are your thoughts, Boo? Well, um, so many, so many thoughts. I, it comes down to it comes down to what is your competition? I mean, and you you just said it's an art competition. Uh, if it's an art competition, then yeah. Um, I I go there's so many. I go back and forth on this stuff because you say okay, well, it's an art competition. I go okay, if it's an art competition, then why do we even need to have a wedding category? You know, if it's just art, then it's just art, and everybody just puts in their images, and they all get treated as art. By having categories like the wedding category, or in PPA's instance, the the brand new wedding degree, which was created specifically because weddings are different than other types of photography, and because of what it takes to shoot a wedding, and because of what's expected of you as a wedding photographer, that is what I get as an inference when you have a wedding category is that these are some of the things that are taken into account or these are some of the reasons why you've separated this into its own category. So then when you have that, and then you turn around and go, it's just art, so this is abstract. Well, then I go, well, if it's just art and abstract, then it doesn't even need to be a wedding category. It just needs to be, it's just art and abstract. That To me, when you start talking about a wedding photographer category, you start talking about what the job of a wedding photographer is. And I'm not saying that this doesn't meet the standards of a job as a wedding photographer, but I, I personally, I don't have a problem with this scoring well, but I do think that it sends a weird message when this is touted as the best wedding image, image in the category for the year. That's the only problem I would have with it. I don't have a problem with it being entered. I think it's bold. I think it's interesting. I think that the more you look at it, the more you want to look at it, which is probably the greatest uh, compliment you can give to art. Uh, and so I think it absolutely, and the fact that it scored well, great fine um yeah i like all that stuff but but I, but I wonder about the sure message you send one. when you say to someone new to someone coming in this was the best wedding image we had this year what this i don't believe that was what it was awarded it was awarded the uh, bride and groom together wedding couple together wedding day was first place it wasn't okay. the well, overall then winner for the wedding division we're saying this was the best picture of the bride and groom together wedding day that we received in our competition this year well i think that best is where you're getting tripped up i think best is a relative term depending on the nature of the competition right one of, one of the things that wppi that they probably push and prize more than anything else is creativity and showing them something that you haven't said before, uh, seen before. Unlike other competitions uh, where you can't say, yeah, we've seen this before, so uh, 
you know, that's I'm not going to really award that very highly because this is just a derivative of something we've seen before. It, uh, you're not allowed to say that in other places. In WPI, that's the entire culture of the competition is show me something new. Show me something different. Right. Show me something thoughtful. Show me something abstract. Show me something I haven't seen. And that's and that is very much the case. And so I think that's I, I maybe people don't you know I, I don't know how many pictures of like a bride perfectly posed into an S curve under an elaborate arch have to win before we go okay we we that becomes standard practice. You know, right. and oh so no, I get, yeah, I get that. Sure, I mean, I, I I get sick of seeing the same thing over and over. And I'm not saying that necessarily you should be seeing the same thing over and over. But when I see this, I think, well, this is creative and everything. But I really want to see what else you did because this can't be the only one you showed the bride and groom as a picture of the two of them together. Uh, you know, this is to me. What's this, that got to, to me, do this with what an, entered this in the competition? A, this is an additional. You know, this is right, but what's that got to do with what gets entered in the competition? Is what you show the bride and groom? One of those things; those things have nothing to do with each other. Well, they they, they do to me. If if I if if you're a person who holds the, up the idea that you even have separate categories as being a recognition of what is expected of that photography photographer in that particular location. That and that's something I've always sense. struggled with. What uh, you I've always had, I've always had it, but it took, it took me forever to, to finally realize that, that, that competition in no way validates your ability as a working photographer. In no way does it validate right. your ability. I mean, besides the fact that all of these images are required to have been created on the wedding day and are single image capture and all the other things that you love, now you're saying that they should be something that you should show the bride and groom and the bride and groom should also have approved and liked? I, I don't no, understand. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that at all. That's what it sounds like. I'm saying I'm saying that this is uh, interesting, but it is not pinnacle. It's it's interesting as another way of 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 showing something interesting or another way of expressing something interesting about the wedding day. But I don't think it should be representative of the very best uh, because because uh, how to put this. You would never, you would never put this front and center to potential clients as an example of a picture of a bride and groom together. In other words, I think when I see something that's going to be number one in a category, I think to myself, it should be the sort of picture that you would say to yourself, if I could only show one picture to the world as an example of what I do at a wedding and what I can do for you, this would be the picture. There this picture would not that. be the picture he would show. You this is the picture know he would show after he showed all this. You, there there's no way problems. you show a picture of a, a picture to a bride and groom. Here's the kind of work I do, and you can't even see their faces. There's there are two problems with what you're saying. One is that you're making a lot of assumptions about what someone else would or shouldn't do, or what. Type I don't of mean business. I don't mean him. I mean me. Uh, me. I mean me personally. Okay, so you. Okay, that's a, that's problem number one. You're saying what you would do, and the second problem is is that. If this guy has a business where he's known for his abstract and artistic images of brides and grooms, then this is exactly on brand for him. But again, it has nothing to do with competition. Those two things are completely separated from each other. Sometimes they might overlap, but in this case, if this is a beautiful art piece that printed really well, and I saw this print, I had my nose up on this print, let me tell you, it's gorgeous. And I will tell you that... uh, he might very well put a 30 by 40 metal print of this or something in his studio and show it off as and his he might be trying to attract the type of clients that would go oh that's really different that's exactly what i want and so you don't know i'm just saying you make a lot of assumptions about it and i don't know i, I well, don't yeah. know the guy that well so i'm just saying that all in a panel with six judges all talked about this for a significantly long portion of time while having their nose on the prints incredibly experienced 
talented judges who've been doing it for many years, and they all agreed that this was the one. And so I'm not going to second-guess that decision. It's definitely not what I would have entered, but I trust the judges that were there. I know the judges that were in the room, and I wasn't there for the judging of this because I was in another room. But, you know, it's easy to second-guess, but have you entered? Uh, did you see what it was up against? Were you in the room? Did you see the print? And that is the real thing about WPPI is it's, you have to see the physical print to understand what the judges are looking at because you could see an image that might blow you away that we gave it a 77 because the print quality was garbage. And there's very often times when they've got the digital version of the image projected so the people in the room watching the competition can see and then you've got the physical print in front of the judges. But the judges can see both and you're not really supposed to reference the digital file, but you can definitely see it. And I will tell you that there are times when you look at the digital file on the screen and you go, oh, God, that looks so much better than the print that's in front of me. And that's very often the case. So it's, it's, it's easy to, to backseat you know, drive, and I understand that this isn't everybody's thing, but that's, this art is, it, art is subjective. The competition, judging in general, is subjective. And I know that one judge started out giving this a 78 and one judge started out giving it a 93, so they talked about it, and they talked about it a lot. And so that's this is the conclusion that they came to. So, you know, love it or hate it, it is what it is, but uh, it, certainly, it certainly has sparked quite a lot of conversation. I always have a problem with that, too. Uh, one with a 78 and one with a 93. I don't have a problem with the scores being so far apart. I mean, you know, we're going to talk about it, you're going to work it out, that's going to happen. But I... Do I don't have a problem with a 99 that gets talked down to an 80 because things are pointed out that they couldn't see or didn't see. But I do have a problem with a 78 that gets talked up to a 90. See, I think that's because you don't understand the process. I don't understand how you can look at something and think it's a 78 and then have someone make you think it's better by Absolutely. telling you about it. It happens to me all the time and happens on the panel all the time because... There are qualities that other judges have the expertise to appreciate that you didn't notice at first, and that's very, very common. But, uh, but doesn't that go a little bit against the whole it being art that you didn't notice at first? Well, the whole point of art is that you're supposed to notice. It's supposed to be well, pushed it also down depends. your throat. If it you're was, supposed if to we not just, be able to ignore it. It's supposed to be so great. If we were just standing in an art gallery, you would have an unlimited amount of time to stand in front of a piece and let, let, it, let it absorb it. And you might look at it and go, I don't really get this. And then the longer you stood there, it might draw you in and you might see things you didn't notice before. In a judging process, it's typically moving quickly to the point where you don't have the ability necessarily to soak in all the details of something, yet someone else on that panel might see things more quickly than you in this particular regard and then challenge it and be able to point them out to you. And so because of the way the process is, that's, there's a reason there's five judges and a jury chair sitting on that panel is because it's to make sure that nothing gets missed. And every judge has a unique eye and a unique set of experiences that enable them to see things that maybe you didn't. For example, one judge might be a real expert on print quality and color shift. And you might give an image like a 90, excuse me, <coughs> you might give an image like a 90, and then the judge will say, look, I'm really sorry, but if you look in the shadows, it's all blocked up and turned like magenta, and the other side of the thing is green, and I'd love to award this but we just can't because of the print quality. And that's one example. Or you might go... Right, but again, that's an example of driving the score down. I But I drove the score up to a 90 on one that was initially an 82, and it was an image by um, uh, Julia Kelleher, which I found out later. And it was, a, it, was a, it was an abstract sort of portrait about postpartum depression. And there were all these small elements in the image that I absorbed immediately, and I scored it, I think, a 93 or a 92. 
And then I had to challenge it, and the other judges weren't. I had to tell them the story, what I was seeing, and why the elements, why I felt the elements were placed where they were. And they came on board as they started to see deeper into the image because it's easy to dismiss something or you could be after lunch and maybe not be as aware. There's a million reasons you can miss something or not understand the subject matter or not there's a, and then that's why one of those other judges has to point it out to you that's why there are five people on that panel but not because it, if if every judge came out with the same score every time you wouldn't need five judges but isn't part of the whole point with this sort of competition and this sort of art that you are supposed to create your art in such a way that it speaks to everyone Who's no, that's that's not the true thing. That is a thing that doesn't exist. Okay. No so if you can get one that... judge who looks at you and really likes you, and no, everyone else is blah, then he can just talk everybody. He can spend forever telling telling them why they should like this print until he convinces them over. My question no, is, if it's supposed either. to be great art, he should you shouldn't have to have someone advocating on your behalf. Everything you just said was incorrect. Okay, and I don't mean that because one, you would be very limited, and a judge. Any judge that no one judge can sway a panel that doesn't want to go. If you start just talking BS and making up stories about an image, trying to talk it up when it shouldn't be up, none of the other judges on the panel are going to go with you. No judge is going to be convinced by something that's not. And very often, judges will stick to their original score no matter how much you talk at them. And that happens on a very regular basis. And the other thing is, I don't think that there's any single piece of art in the entire world that speaks to everybody. I don't think that's ever been made as long as I've been alive, except for maybe the. Statue of Liberty. I don't know. There's no piece of art in the whole world that will speak to everybody right away. And one of the things as a judge is you're supposed to be able to open yourself up to other opinions regardless of your bias of the subject matter or your lack of knowledge of the subject. And so it's you have to let yourself be educated by other judges who might I'm not, know better I'm not than saying you shouldn't. Instance. I'm not saying you shouldn't allow yourself to be talked up. I'm saying that I question when you get talked up 20 points. I think that it very happens all the time. And yeah. I think that it's totally normal. I mean, what's the difference between 10 and 20 points? What's the difference between <laughs> it's a lot. It's a huge difference. Twice Is as it? many points. Yes. Is it? What if somebody doesn't get it? What if they didn't see it? That happens all the time. So, like, I, I, there's did, no... I, I think that if they didn't get it and they didn't see it, that that speaks to the work. That that I in itself I, speaks to I the work. I disagree. What if, what if, the, what if the, uh, one of the judges sees this image about the story of postpartum depression... And it doesn't get – he doesn't get it at all because maybe he's 55 and he's got no kids and his wife never suffered with it. And so it just doesn't connect with him emotionally. And then you have a woman on the panel or, or on the judge or maybe a man whose wife is dealing with it at that moment and they see the story and they're able to explain it to him and they go, knowing what I know now, it impacts me differently that's and great. now I'm going to raise my I, I think that's great. And that now happens we're, now all we're gonna, the time. Now we're going to get to the huge argument. I think that's great. So how about if I just get allowed – how about if I just stand there and explain my print to you? And then I can tell you everything that went into it and everything that it means, and I can get my score driven up that way, is what I'm saying. Just because one person on the panel connects with it and then can convince the other person that because I connected with it, it's important, and therefore you should give it a higher score. The art, the art is supposed to speak to me, not the person sitting on the panel. Now, not that I shouldn't listen to them, not that you can't learn from your fellow judges. Sure, you can. But the instance that you're explaining that this person was so incredibly moved by it that then I'm supposed to raise my score because you were moved by it. The artist's job is to move as many people as possible. And if I'm not really moved by it, then I'm not really moved by it. 
Well, that's fine, but at the same time, you're taking away points from something that might deserve a higher score because of your lack of knowledge or understanding, which is what the other judges are there for. And right. no, it's not the same. You should not allow to have the artist there advocating for their print. That's ridiculous. But the art absolutely does speak for itself. But very often, if there's like a, for example, a, uh, a digital image, ha- this happens to me all the time with abstract digital images. They just leave me completely cold. I don't understand how they're made. I don't have any feeling for them. And so I'm not going to give them a 65 just because that subject matter doesn't do it for me. When another judge who has an expertise in that area says, this is actually a really fantastic representation of this, and this is the story that I see, and I go, I see what you're saying now. I am now more educated than I was, and I'm willing to adjust my score as a result. That's why there's a panel of judges there. Just because you're ignorant of it, it doesn't mean you should give it a bad score. I think well, that then, that's then a- you shouldn't give it a bad score. Then you should have never given it the 78 to begin with. Well, I just think that it's okay. You can, you can judge it on what you know. I could say, well, I can look at the things I do know how to judge. The tech, and I can even say, I would love to have some discussion on this. I would love for somebody to explain this to me. And as, those all happen on the panel. Say, I'm missing something. I don't want to underscore this because, uh, you know, because I don't know what I'm looking at. Can someone tell me what this is? And maybe we can make sure this gets the right score. That also happens all the time on a panel because there's no judge on that panel that has perfect knowledge. And that's why there are five. And they could specifically put panels of judges together based on their personalities and based on their their shared expertise. So you're not going to have five judges on a panel who are all expert newborn photographers, and they're not all going to be judging one thing. They're going to pepper in people with levels of different experience and expertise just precisely so every image will get a fair shake, so every type of image has a potential advocate, so that things will get looked at in the fairest possible light. That's how the process works. I get that. I understand it, and I absolutely understand scores moving both up and down. I simply question the score that goes from a not merit to uh, first place in a category. That to me seems to be such a huge swing that it just seems that it just seems weird. No, I understand. Okay. I understand. You know what you're saying. Everything we said makes sense, and I believe scores should move up and down. And you should be educated by the other jurors. I absolutely believe all that stuff. Even with all the explanation, you're like, that's eh, just weird. Basically, because either one of two things has happened. Either a, you should have never scored it that low to begin with. Which is that 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 was that was a that was a wrong move. Or B, you should not have moved off your score that much. I absolutely underscore and overscore things all the time. Judges are allowed to make mistakes. That's what the other judges are there for. It is very possible to completely underscore something and miss it. That's what it's been. That's what it's about. It's just not. It's not digging your heels in when you're wrong or when you miss something. Yeah, absolutely. That but that judge put in the wrong score to start with. But that's why they have the ability to adjust their score after the fact. If there was no reason to do that, then there, there wouldn't be any cha- need for a challenge situation. And the challenge exists because sometimes you're too timid, sometimes you uh, miss something, and that happens, oh, I put in wrong scores all the time, and I'm thank goodness there's challenge situations where I can change that. Sure, because- sure. I guess my point then, my point about that is, and you're right, you shouldn't dig your heels in, but if you're totally missing it, if you totally don't understand it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then you shouldn't be giving it a 78. You should be giving it an 80 or an 81 and let the other judges decide where it goes. You shouldn't be, quote unquote, failing that print when you clearly don't understand it. Then then give it an 80 or something and let the other judges take it where it's going to go and let them educate you. But don't dunk it when you don't – when because you, you're supposed to be for the maker. And now you're dunking it when you've just said you clearly don't understand it. If you clearly don't understand it, then you don't dunk the guy. 
or girl. You simply say, you know, I'm going to go 80 on this. I'm going to go right on the 80, and I'm going to let them figure out what these people who are next to me educate me or move me. But I'm not going to start under, because it looks bad to start under a merit and then move into a 91, 92 category. That See, looks, now we're that getting into the, the score process that you don't understand. I'm just Is saying, that- moving, moving, moving your score within the merit range is one thing. Moving it from outside the merit range to extremely high in the merit range is a much bigger swing to me. And, and, it, and, and it makes the whole thing look bad. I don't think that it does. I think that you're mistaken about the process. Mm. The thing is that, like, if you give an image, you put the image in a score what you think based on what you know, and the other judges will correct you. You don't give image an extra five points because you don't get it or take five points off. You put it where you think it goes as you see it. And if you, there are many cases where because you can't challenge an image unless your score is five points off the final score. In WPPI, you cannot challenge an image unless you're five points off the final score. And so if a judge who was on the bottom at like a 78 goes, I'll give the maker the benefit of the doubt and does an 83, then the judge, if the score ends up at an 85 and the judge who gave it like an 88 now can't challenge it because if you'd have put your score at 78, then they would have been five points off the score and could have challenged it higher and fought for it. But now it won't even get talked about. And so there's stuff in the process that you just have to give it the score. You think you can't be adding and subtracting based on what you do and you don't know. You have to let the process correct itself and let those other judges tell you what's up. And if you're wrong, you'll be called out as wrong. And if you're right, then you can dig your heels in. And if you're right, then you'll point something out to them and they'll bring their score down. So it just, it all depends. It's, it, it's, it's a cool process. It's certainly not perfect, but the thing is judges are very often wrong and have to be talked out of it, and there's just no way around that unless your judges are uh, robots, which is, you know, <laughs> which they're not. So we have no robot judges yet, and when, when we do, I'm sure that everything will get an 82. <laughs> well, everything pretty much gets an 82 now. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's probably accurate. <laughs> or, 70, or 78. Yeah, about 75% of the images fall between 78 and 82. Yeah, 80%. All right, so I think, man, we ate, we chewed up a lot of scenery that time. People love, it when that we, people love it when we fight. It's interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it is. People love a good argument. All right, well, uh, okay, so let's follow up with a uh, not an argument. Um, we got a couple of questions from listeners uh, as we walk out the door. Uh, let's see. Um... Car Jones Costia says conferences. If you could only attend one, i.e., WPPI versus imaging, uh, which would you attend and why? I think it's talking about all the conferences. Okay. Basically. Well, that's that's you know, I'm I'm a counselor with the PPA, so. <laughs> well, oh, I think it actually says if you're not a member. Let's say you're not a member. Well, I've so, only been to the PPA. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, funny thing is that some, so many of them run at the same time of year because in the wintertime, uh, you know, January, February, March, uh, a lot of photographers aren't particularly busy. Wedding and portrait photographers in the northern half of the country tend to be pretty slow. And so that's probably why there are so many conferences this time of year, if I had to guess, and why they're not all in June in Miami Beach. Uh, that would be great. But um, I think they all have different vibes. You just got to kind of figure out what your vibe is, you know, between WPPI, Imaging, Shutterfest, uh, Sync, there's a, there's Photo Plus. There are a ton of them, and they all kind of have a different different vibe to them, and you just got to figure out where your people are. That's all there is to it. Um, for me, I, I, I actually have people at most of them. So <laughs> I, like, I like going to all of them for different reasons. Um, if where you're, I would say if it depends on how new you are or how experienced you are, whether you're more focused on 
how getting camera, you know, getting models in front of your camera and taking a bunch of portfolio pictures. Oh yeah. You got to go to Shutterfest. That's where that is because you'll, you'll get more crazy models and crazy outfits and you can shoot 24 hours a day and nobody will stop you and you can just go nuts. However, if you want serious education, that's going to help you with your business. Uh, I would say probably, uh, imaging USA would probably be the place to go. They're very, very business focused. And if you are looking more to, um, a conference that's way more focused on creativity and uh, pushing the boundaries. That's WPPI is going to be your conference for, for image making. That's just the way I see. They all have different strengths and are fantastic for different reasons. All right. I've only been to one. Yeah. <laughs> you got to get, you got to, you got to branch out. I think, and then, I think uh, I'm going to WPPI next year. Yeah, it should, it's, 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 it's worth going to, uh, Daniel Clavet says, could you talk about the EOS RP and your reactions to it? And we covered this a couple weeks ago. Well, has the RP come out yet? I think it's announced. I don't know if it's actually. Yeah, on that's going to be yet. the that's going to be the pro level one, the pro level R, right? No, the RP is the prosumer. It's twelve hundred dollars. It's like the, oh, the, oh, that's the the lesser one than the yeah, R. yeah, the lesser of two, the lesser of two. Oh, mirrors. that's right. Okay, and then there's yeah, supposed yeah. to be another one that's going to come out. That's going to be because I just read an article by a guy saying what he thinks the pro level R is going to be like. He says he thinks it's going to be very much like the one D. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he thinks it's going to be bigger, like a built-in battery grip type situation and et cetera. Hopefully two card slots. Hello, Canon, please. <laughs> that, is the, that is the number one gripe, isn't it? Um, well, uh, yeah, you know, I think they got to make – they really got to concentrate on making cameras for influencers and consumers and prosumers. And this is kind of what they're at because everyone – they got to sell 30 or 40 of those to be able to sell one of the others. So – you know, keep that in mind uh, as you're worrying about what's coming out next. I actually just requested a um, a loaner of the EOS R and the 24 to 105 from CPS because if you're a CPS member, you can request loaner equipment. And um, for the, I know you know that, Boo. I just didn't know if everybody listened yes. to that. And uh, and so yeah, I I just sent in the email and like two minutes later I got an email back saying sure we're gonna ship it to you no problem which is pretty cool like that's I know right yeah, you told me you did that I'm like oh, I'm gonna go ask for one too they'll do that for anybody who's a CPS member it's got nothing to do with with, with me specifically um, oh I don't know about that I'll bet you if I went in and asked for one I would not get an email back in ten minutes that said sure I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody up there knows mm, your name not at CPS no. No. Well, I, I, maybe they maybe they talk to someone else. You know, maybe when people ask, they 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 send out to someone else who says, "Hey, you guys know this guy or whatever." Before I'm, we see, because they're not sending the camera to every Joe Smo who asks for one. They absolutely will if you're a CPS member. Yeah, but it just depends on how many they have and how many loans that they've committed to, and so it might be two or three weeks before you get one. Right. Uh, so but you know, Gary Hughes I'm, gets his right away. We're going to ship. No, it I got the approval right away. They said we can't even tell you what day it's going to get to you. He said, but when it gets to you, you have ten days to get it back to us. And that was what the email basically says. So their loans are ten days, including shipping time. So oh, like you I basically want more than have ten days, man. I want yeah, it like for a couple, couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. So you know, but it's cool anyway. So I'll, I'm going to be reporting on that and let you know. I'm going to do a couple shoots with it and see how it goes. So you I was can, setting uh, up a, I was setting up a new headshot uh, thing the other day because you know me about efficiency, and I was like, how small could I make a headshot area? What's the smallest I could make a headshot mm-hmm. area? So I started putting together a headshot area where I had, I had the light. Um, I mean, right. Right next to the cam, uh, right you know, like the the camera lens is touching my light stand for my for my for my uh, light, which is up above me and pointed down. Right, right. I'm doing a clamshell. 
coming down from the top on axis with a, with a reflector underneath, standard clamshell. And I'm trying to get this as tight and small as possible. So I'm using a 24 to 70 millimeter lens instead of my big long lens. And, I, and I'm trying to get, because I'm like, what if I had to shoot in an office that was teeny tiny? And also I'm trying out a new, uh, a new uh, umbrella reflector that I'm, I may possibly be in love with. And um, so I'm getting this as small as possible. And then I'm taking the picture with uh, a remote, taking pictures of myself. And then I realized, oh, wait, I've got to actually go up there and, and be in the position. So I had to get Bobby to come sit for me because the light, I'm blocking the light. It's a little bit of the whole, the light. like at one point I had the light behind me and I'm blocking the light. So I need to see if that's going to be a problem. And it wasn't. But in doing that and setting that up, I was like, ooh, a flip screen right now would be so handy because the camera's below me, a little below chest level. And if I had that little right. flip screen, I could have just looked down and seen that everything was lined up right and just pop, pop, pop instead of having to, yeah, let me crouch down and my butt hits the light behind me and, my, you know, because I'm trying to get it as small as possible. And I was like, this well, would have been a great the, if case If you had a for camera a with the Wi-Fi built in, you could just use the app on your phone to control the camera and you can see a live view as you're sitting. So you don't Well, yeah, but I mean, if you were screen. shooting headshots, you wouldn't want to trigger remotely because you want to be behind the camera so they'll look at you. I would think. Right, absolutely. You know? Yeah, that's my. Well, I thought about it. Believe me, I thought about that. But what if you could set it all up really tight and then actually stand to the side and tell people, just look at the lens, give me a spot, and you could see it on your phone? And I thought, no, you'd lose that interaction with right. people if you tried to trigger it. But I was just really, I for some reason had gotten into this mode of how small can I make this thing? You know, what's the smallest I can make a Photoshop? Uh, I would a, think a probably something to the effect of like, you could do it with the right circumstances, background, you could probably get it done in an eight foot by. Eight foot by eight foot space. If you had yeah, to. yeah, I go a little more narrow than that. I, I would say eight foot probably long, and maybe you're using a five by seven drop, and you know I'm not going outside the drop, so five feet wide. Yeah, yeah. If I had to get into that space, I would say six for a umbrella size light stands. Probably eight right. foot by six foot. Because I was be removing the, the I was removing the boom. Because normally right. I boom in overhead, and I'm like, okay, but that boom increases your footprint. So I'm right. like, what if I, what if I instead put the stand right, right in front of me where you can't shoot through the pole? Well, so you got to put the pole right back on the camera or behind you. And if you put the pole behind you, now you're going to have to be shooting through you. So, so this is what, you know, this is the way my mind works. Once I go down this rabbit hole, now I'm going to spend so two So how did it on. look? It looked great. I actually posted a picture of myself that I took on Facebook. Uh, Was as, that the, the no makeup Yeah, one? the no makeup picture. Uh, the, yeah. the no Photoshop <laughs> picture. But that's, that's pretty much that setup. And it's pretty good uh, headshot light. Yeah, it was really brave of you to post that picture of yourself. <laughs> I, I don't want to use the word hero. I don't think that women. But. I don't think that women understand that men many many times have the same issues about how we look that women do. And and I don't have yeah. I don't have a huge amount of issues about my problem is age. You know, a picture came up on Facebook today of me, me and my dad, three years ago, and just looking at that picture, I'm like, oh my god, I looked so much better three years ago than I do now. And that's yeah, you because are you reach, apart. You reach that point in your life where you just fall apart fast. Yeah, you look like hell. Yeah, you do. I do. Yeah. I look like a total wreck. I mean, I look great, but you look you like look hell. great. You're young and vibrant and, and everything. And, and I'm like, listen, I'm like, right now you've got just a little gray, just a little gray in your beard, just mm-hmm. a little. Now that's going to hang with you, Gary, for about 10 more years. And then overnight, your whole face is going to go gray. And you're going to be like, what the hell happened? I've, I've been okay with a little gray. And then bam, just like that, you will suddenly become old man winter. And then I'm dead. Yes. That's the way it works. You just, you well, suddenly, the, this, you're like on a slow slope and then you drop off a cliff right around the mid 50s. The circle of life. Exactly. 
It's fine, yeah. So I've just decided to embrace it. I've decided to embrace it and uh, and not care about what I look like anymore and not and not be concerned about it. And, and as a way to force myself to do it, I posted a close-up picture of my face on Facebook that I did nothing to. One eye bigger than the other. My hearing aid wires are visible. All the stuff on my face like Morgan Freeman. And I just said, that's it. This Are you going to go full moo moo now? You're just going to stop. Well, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go yourself. full moo moo or put on a bunch of weight. But I'm going to stop. Like, let me just fix my face up on on this on this picture before. You I put should it on just really let yourself go. I have. Just just lean into it. You should embrace it. Yeah. Right. I mean, isn't there isn't there a point where you where you get to just go? I don't care anymore. This is great. I wish more people would uh, because it would make my life easier. Right. But uh, oh, uh, one more uh, problem from this week is I had a, a client send back an image to be retouched three times, not happy with it. Oh. Because it was like – and I honestly, I took 20 pounds off of her face and really – I mean it was I, – I, I'm a good retoucher and I did a good job on it. And it, she just had unrealistic expectations. I finally sent back the last one and I said, this is all I'm going to do for you. Right. <laughs> like this is it. Like that's I'm done now. Like I'm done. It's this has ceased to be a problem of I'm doing I'm doing my job, and you just don't like your face. Yeah, and and I can't help that. Right. So you have to sort of find sometimes a nice way to say this is where the road ends, and you've got four versions of this thing now. You go ahead and pick your favorite one, uh, and that's all. That's all we're gonna do. Well, what you want to say to him in that case is you want to go do me a favor. Could you send me a picture of yourself that you do like, and they can't because they don't like their face. They don't right. like any picture of themselves, and or, they're hoping you can create something. Or it would be a selfie like. from their phone taken from forty feet. In yeah, room. right, or something like that. And but what they're wanting is unrealistic. They're wanting you to. Can you please create a picture of me that I will like? Because I've never liked my pictures. I, no, I, tell I can't. You what you really. can do. You could go. With, you could do a little uh, psychotherapy to work on your insecurity issues. Meanwhile, lay off the fast food and uh, go for a walk uh, in the evening before bed, and then talk to me in six months. You'll probably feel a lot better about yourself, and then then you might like your picture. But right. I don't know. I don't. I can't. There's just a certain percentage of people you can't help how they feel about themselves. Right. No matter how great of an experience you give them. Or what? I mean, you can get up to like ninety-eight percent satisfaction, but there's always going to be those certain people that, no matter what you do, they just have an unrealistic view of the world. And part of that sometimes is due to, uh, you know, Instagram filters. We get asked for stuff like that a lot. Can you just put an Instagram? No, I'm not not going to do that. That's we're not going to put an Instagram filter on your portrait. I'm sorry, that's just not what we're going to do. I just had. But, uh, I finally had to come to the realization though that I'm. I can still be judgmental, and I can still be in a room full of people, and I'm looking at people, and I can be a little judgmental about how this person looks and how that person looks. But I don't do that at all to people once they've reached a certain age. Once they've reached a certain age, I don't judge them at all. I'm only judging the young, beautiful people. I don't judge people once they reach a certain age. And I finally had to realize I've reached that age. I don't think anyone's judging me either. I'm judging you. <laughs> you, but no one else is judging me. I don't think anyone else around the room is going, look at Bure-Ray. I don't think anybody cares what Bure looks like because I'm invisible to most women now. You know, I've reached that point. That I, the same point that those people are invisible to me. I don't judge them. You are a non-sexual entity. Yeah. That's it. A you woman are, in her uh, 20s or 30s, I might be like, oh, what's she doing with her hair or whatever. But a woman in her 50s, I'm not really – I'm usually not going to be picking her like, apart. Like in the Predator movie when the Predator picks up an old man and neglects to kill him. He lets him live because he's just so old and frail. He doesn't even <laughs> see him as a threat, so he just tosses him aside. Like that's you. Women are the predator, and you're the frail old man. Yes, that's it. They I am just, the frail old man. They scan you, not a threat, and then keep yes. moving. No one's no one's going. Oh, Bure, what's he wearing? No one no one cares what Bure's wearing. Bure's just Bure. Bure's old guy. 
So yeah, so I'm gonna I'm embracing it, man. I'm full on embracing it. Flannel for the world. No more underwear. Done. I'm just I'm telling you. I'm like I'm going comfortable all the way. Well, I'm proud of I'm proud of you, I guess. <laughs> You, on the other hand, you still have like, you know, another 20 years of having to make sure your product's right in your hair and stuff. Yeah, I got another. Well, I noticed that your hair is artfully tasseled with some nice oh, products. Oh, not artfully today, at Mister, all. I, I don't care. Stuff in it and I don't care. I look at him, I'm like, this is not, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Wife still loves me. I don't care. We'll see how that goes now that you've stopped caring. We'll see if she's, because yeah. Bobby could stop caring. No, Bobby will not stop caring. Bobby doesn't care what you look like. All she cares about is how you treat her. If you treat Bobby well, she thinks you're beautiful. She doesn't care what you actually look like. It's a great. It's, and as I get older, and be, and as I'm older than she is, it's a great bonus to me. Let me tell you, because I, you know, hey, you brought your daughter. No, that's yeah, my she's wife. pretty great. I uh, I don't want to use the word hero. But, she is. Uh, I don't want to use that word either. <laughs> All right, we have to wrap up. You got anything coming up? Uh, I think I do, but I don't remember what it is. Uh, I'm going to be someplace speaking to somebody. Uh, I will be in Daytona in May, so it's not that big, not that pressing. We'll talk about it more in detail when it gets closer. Um, yeah, I'm doing a thing in, in uh, for the Daytona group there, I think. maybe. This yeah, month. you're speaking like the me. month before I am, I think. Yeah, I got to get out there. Maybe it's next month. Uh, so that's coming up. We'll post that on the Facebook page. Also, in April, I will be doing a one-day pre-con class at Texas School. Uh, so if you want to check that out, I think it's texasschoolofphotography.com or something like that. And then I'll also be doing three different classes at Shutterfest. That's the week right after Easter at the end of April there. And so uh, come check that out. More info coming on those. And if you want to see my pictures from the State Fair, uh, I'm going to be doing a YouTube video about it. So just go to YouTube and search for Boo Ray. You'll find me. Your uh, YouTube channel is getting kind of... Uh getting kind of popular no it's not really it's not really at all you think it's getting popular i'm like oh i'm getting like five ten subscribers a day this is great i'm up to like 2500 subscribers this is great and then you go to look for i'm looking at a new smartwatch so i want to see some stuff on a smartwatch and i here's a video about the smartwatch and it's a, and it's a video that's just pictures of the smartwatch and then a robotic voice because they typed it in and it's a robotic voice just going this new samsung is an incredible watch and and you look at that and it's been viewed 95,000 times and that guy has 100,000 followers <laughs> And you're like, and, and you're like, if that guy, how can that guy have a hundred thousand followers? He's probably in a wheelchair and has one of those. There you go. It's like Stephen Hawking's channel, and and I'm just saying, you think you're doing pretty good with Stephen your, Hawking would have way more subscribers. Than I'm that. just saying, you think you're doing pretty good with your subscribers that you're picking up, and then you see these just horrible channels with six figure subscribers, and you're like, oh no, I'm not doing good at all. You're doing great. Yeah, go subscribe to Boo Ray's YouTube channel. He's got some interesting videos on there. It's always a good time, always good content, yeah. especially when you have to go back and retcon your own mistakes that you said, and you have to like, actually, what I meant was. Yes, that's well. That, you know, I'm those. not re-recording it. So if I'm doing a thing and I'm talking and I go back and I, I'm editing it and I see, oh, I said the wrong word there. I just put an, I just put a little line across the bottom that corrects myself. I'm not going to re-record the whole video because I made a mistake. No, it's ma- minimum effort. Yes. That's what yes. we guarantee here at the Photobomb Podcast. Absolutely. Minimum effort. I got the tools. I'm going to use them. Right on. Okay. Take All right. Home. Uh, you can find us uh, on uh, Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, And that's where you can find the picture that we were talking about uh, before we uh, spiraled off into our descent into madness. We did go down the as we As we so frequently do. You can find Gary at HughesFiorelli.com. You can find me at BooRayPerry.com. Uh, and you can send us email, questions at photobombpodcast.com. We'll see you back here next week. See you later. Hey, did you get my thing about uh, that podcast? <laughs>